0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Uh, our guest this week is Ravi and We've had him on a few times before, and I he's one of my favorites. So we keep having him back because I find him very insightful, uh, and I hope that you guys do too. He is, but I mean, he's been everything. He was the he was the lead guitarist for Hanson in the nineties. He's uh, he's been a cultural attaché for the State Department. He's a pilot, uh, and uh, he also is a big. Uh, Uh, A big keynote speaker when it comes to education and changing education in the world. So we're going to talk to him about how we can grow as individuals and how we can grow together, You know how we can find unity in these very polarizing times. So I'm very excited to bring that to you. But before that interview, of course, we have to hear from our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. This part of Intelligence for Life, the podcast is presented by Rocket Mortgage. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. All right guys, here we go with Ravi Hutti Singh. Very excited to share this with you. Here you go. Ravi Hutti Singh, uh, the, the man with the be- my favorite resume and this I think this is your third time on the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Very excited to have you back.
1: Ah, oh, thanks. It's always great to talk with you yep.
0: Um I say, you know, the man with uh with the most amazing resume because again, you have done some of the most interesting things. You have, you know, you you've moved from being a a, a guitarist to a to a, 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 a state department attaché, and and you're now a writer and a speaker, and uh, I mean you're a pilot too, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm not wrong about that. Um, no, that's correct. Yeah. And and, uh, and you have you know we we talked about last time we had you on. We talked about your newest book, Pivot, which is all about you know uh, dealing with the uh, unpredictable future that we are all facing and how to be as adaptable as possible as we go forward. Um, which, again, if you, have, you guys haven't picked that up, link to where to buy it in the show notes. You guys need to check out this book. Um, we all need it as the world opens up again. Uh, and speaking of, what I wanted to talk to you about and what we were talking about before, uh, the world is opening up again, but we're going into... I, 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 people hate to say this. I hate to use this word. A new normal in a way that um, we haven't experienced before. So, uh, we're going to need some help in navigating what the world is like as it opens up. And you, being the most adaptable person I know, uh, I think can have some insight onto that for us.
1: You know, it's pretty crazy uh, to think about how, oh, you know, a year or 18 months ago, we were all pivoting into an unpredictable future. Mm-hmm. And now we feel like we're once again pivoting into an unpredictable right. future. Right. Um, and, you know, that's the nature of the book, right, is is empowering students today to succeed in an unpredictable tomorrow. The reality is, is tomorrow is in many ways unpredictable and mm-hmm. will continue to be unpredictable. And that's why the book is, is you know, the, the main title is called Pivot, because we have to be able to navigate this and to adjust and to pivot. So, you know, yeah, a new normal is one way to look at it, I guess, or everything is or there is no such thing as normal. Uh, It's just a continuum, (laughs) you know, and we go with the flow and we bounce. And, um, you know, I think uh, I think my own resume and my own pivots are sort of uh, an example and hopefully a good example of how one can navigate that and really stay relevant rather than become redundant. Mm
0: hmm. Uh, And I think like, look, there was a time when when you could have casual conversations about politics. You can't have that anymore. It's way too polarizing. You could have ca- casual conversations about all kinds of things, and now it's I mean, like even even just the way that we interact with people has changed significantly. I think, uh, and we we kind of need a, 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 I' want to say a primer, but a uh, you know we, we need a primer on on reengaging with people who may not see the world the same way as we do. Um, well.
1: Yeah yeah I mean absolutely you know civil discourse and the ability to have conversations is one of the things that we need to be teaching our children and I think needs to be part of what is taught in school mm-hmm. um, but I think we're seeing in school board meetings and in on the news and
0: mm-hmm. with regular
1: conversations is that we as adults and educators you know are having a hard time yeah. a hard time doing that ourselves mm-hmm. so if if we can't do it how are we going to teach it and um you know, it's complicated and that's part, I think, grown out of a, a social media world where we have an idea or a thought and we put it out there without really giving it the thought that it deserves. And so one of the things I talk about to educators and I wrote about the book is it's so important that we get back to teaching handwriting mm-hmm. because I know of no other activity that slows you down enough yeah. to the point where you start recognizing your thoughts.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And to me, if there's any way that we're going to start recognizing our own implicit biases and, and being able to accommodate those so that we aren't offensive and aren't making decisions based on things that perhaps we shouldn't be, you know, that's the way. Handwriting is one of those great tools that will enable us to do that.
0: It's, you know, it's really true. I, I, I say this often, like, I'm no Luddite. I live with a computer and a smartphone and smartwatch and all that nonsense. I live with it. I, I use it. I'm comfortable with it. But uh, I have a physical planner that I write in every day, and I have talked to a lot of uh, a lot of people like yourself, a lot of thinkers and researchers who whose number one thing that they recommend we do is journal, journal and meditate, yeah. which are both slow down activities, um, and which is ironic as the world gets faster and faster paced, as things change more quickly, as information is spread more quickly the uh, The thing that we need to do is find ways to art I mean I say artificially, but uh, slow ourselves down um, It's crazy no I think that's I think that's
1: absolutely right and you know of course, as the world does start to move faster, uh, another thing that's happening is that people you know the the uh, lab on aging at the Harvard Medical School, the director mm-hmm. uh, he said the first person to live to hundred and fifty has already been born. So if we put that in that context, yeah, things are moving a lot faster, but people are also living a more elongated life that requires more planning, that requires more thought, and that really requires that ability to pivot.
0: That yeah, uh, and again, which is not to, not to be too commercial here, but which is why you guys need to read this book. Um, so I, you know, you, you bring up social media and and the dangers there, and this this idea of slowing down. Uh, I've heard a couple of people, but I want to get your take on this. Talk about the the way that the way that social media creates interactions. They are they're these sort of false ersatz interactions where we where we believe that we're having social connection, but in reality, we're just we're just stamping our feet, uh, stomping our feet, and 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 shouting into the void. Uh, is there a productive way to use social media in your mind?
1: You know, I, I yes, there there is, and one of the um, one of the things about life is we tend to put ourselves into the circles um, in which we're most comfortable, right? We we choose uh, our own churches, we choose our own country clubs. We, we tend to choose to want to be around the people that are similar to us and that, um, and we engage with them on ideas, often with similar viewpoints, something that, and that's really where social media thrives too, is you want many Mm -hmm. likes and you want, but the opportunity is to start engaging with people that disagree with you. I look at social media as a place to practice, a place to practice civil discourse and a place to, uh, you know, try it out where there's not a whole lot of accountability, where there's not going to be, you know, um, unless you're a celebrity, you know, that's really depending on it. um, you, You know, you're not putting that much at risk. And it's a great opportunity to see, well, how do you engage in conversation that's productive and maybe has a productive outcome with people that are different than you and that that may have a totally different worldview than you. So I think that's a that's a positive aspect, but it requires one to be proactive and to look for those forums where um, or groups, you know, where people are of um a different culture perhaps and when i say culture i don't just mean the geographic they might be a different age group or mm-hmm. a different socioeconomic group mm-hmm. that's how we learn you know we're not going to be able to do that as easily in our regular lives because we design our regular lives around the things that are most similar to us
0: right right uh, is <laughs> is there a is it feels a little futile right like to you say to it's a great place to engage with people who see the world differently Um, I feel like so many of the lines have been drawn so starkly for people that the only real desire people have is to try to convince other people to join their cause, not to actually have a discourse, refine their own ideas. Um, Is there anything we can do about that? Because I think that's a mentality... Like you said, we seek comfort and we, and we seek echo chambers, essentially. So we're going to be most comfortable when we're surrounded by people who echo back to us what we, what we believe. We're going to watch those shows. We're going to you know create that social media group. We're going to hang out with those people. As we need to interact with people of different cultures, different uh, perspectives, what, how do we change our, our, our opening line? that it doesn't seem like we're just trying to convince other people to join whatever it is that we agree with?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. You know, one of the things uh, that I talk about in the book specifically for education is the uh, pillars of lifelong learning. And the first pillar that I, I that I believe is the first pillar of lifelong learning is inspiring curiosity. We have to be curious. We have to go into these forums and into uh, places that are uncomfortable with a desire to learn something that's different, you know, from what we might think ourselves. And I think when you have that curiosity and you don't necessarily, uh, you, you know, you make, you, you make the, you make the point of being proactive and not trying to win the argument or not trying to impose your own opinion or change anybody's mind, but rather, you know, I've always felt like the best part about being in an argument with somebody is if they can change my mind. Because then I've learned something, so I seek that. I want somebody to convince me otherwise, because then I, then I've grown and then I've learned. If I have just convinced them of mine, then of my thoughts, then um, you know, hopefully they've grown and, and they've learned. But I'm not sure that I necessarily get anything out of it, but a perceived win. And you know, that's not that to me isn't the purpose. That's not how to become a lifelong learner. And there are lots of platforms. You know, I'm just launching now on Saturday mornings. Uh, 10 a.m. New York time on Clubhouse. Yeah. And, and and this is cool. You know, I only got involved with Clubhouse a couple of weeks ago myself, just on the on the app. And uh, the what I believe is the largest education club on Clubhouse. It's called Education Conference. Uh, they reached out to me and, and said, you know, we'd love for you to host a regular room. And so I started thinking, well, this is a forum where we can engage in conversation. And that's all it is, is an audio social app and it's people talking and with moderators. And, you know, it's a great opportunity to practice civil discourse. And so I've created a room called Cultural Competence and Equity in Education. And I am asking educators and parents who in many cases are at odds these days to come into the room and let's talk about the most difficult issues that are going on in education mm-hmm. like critical race theory in the classroom or mask mandates and all of these things really the primary purpose is to not uh come up with new ideas about these things because i think we're inundated with them mm-hmm. but to learn how to talk about them because if you know, like i said earlier if we as adults can learn to talk about them we can t- teach the future leaders the kids uh how to talk about them and that's how we'll come up to solutions to the world's problems in the future
0: I mean, the real irony is we spend so much time teaching our kids to be adaptable, teaching our kids to, you know, find ways to share and to come to some sort of agreement and common ground with their friends when they get into disagreements. And yet as adults, we become so rigid along the lines that you're talking about. Right. And that 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 sounds the fact that you're what you're saying is for two people to sit down who disagree and have a real conversation about where they can begin and where the, what they agree on. The irony of that is that these are people that are teaching that to kids, but yet cannot, cannot do them themselves. Um, well,
1: that's just the challenge of getting older, too, is that we accumulate more biases, we accumulate more opinions, and it's harder, it's just harder to be open-minded. And yeah. I think that's a, that's part of the lifelong learning, inspiring curiosity uh, skill, is to make sure that as we grow older, that we try to maintain some of that. And, you know, it, it, when we look at the generations, I always find, you know, it's so important that the youth of today recognize the wisdom of their elders you know right right it's one of the big complaints is that you know the youth of today doesn't do that and the reality is wisdom is one of those things that only comes with experience yeah you know just comes with time being on this planet but the flip side of that is that as we get older we also start to Fail. We fail to recognize uh, the innocence of youth and the benefits of that mm-hmm. without any of those biases, with those fresh perspectives. And it's somewhere in the middle. It's the collaboration between, uh, again, co- being culturally competent. And I, my, when I say it in this context, I mean between generations, mm-hmm. the ability to talk, discuss, and learn from one mm-hmm. another because there's so much value on both of those ends.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, how do we? I mean. There is, I, I see a ton of value. I also watch myself get more rigid as I age uh, and I, and I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty all in and and engaged in the concept of being a lifelong learner like I like to think of that I, that it's a value I already hold and yet I see myself becoming more rigid. How do we even begin to approach it? if you're somebody right now that's hearing this and thinking like, oh my gosh, I know that I'm right I just need to convince the world. Uh, how do you begin to change your own internal monologues that you can, uh, embrace Like, What's the first step to embracing the mindset of a lifelong learner?
1: You know, I think, um, I, I think one thing that everybody should always do throughout their lives is be a student of something that they're not comfortable with. Mm. Uh, you know, if you have never played golf, go take some golf lessons, go do something that just puts you in a very uncomfortable position because you don't know how to do it. That gives you a lot of empathy for sort of everyone else Mm. who's trying something new, who doesn't understand things in the way that you do. So, you know, we're all experts in something. And as we get older, we, we sort of our expertise get more refined and we become more developed. But we forget how to be a student and a student gives us the opportunity to be humble. And to be more empathetic, and I think that's really a first step to for as an adult to be a lifelong learner is to is to constantly put yourself in that position where you're reminded that you actually have more to learn.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, is it so, is there something that we can do? I mean, I, that's great for yourself. Uh, is there value in in engaging with people who don't have that mindset, or do we just need to write those people off? I mean, obviously, I, I don't. I think I don't. I know the answer is not. To write them off but, like, do we have an option
1: <laughs> well we do have an option i mean you know there's uh you can defriend anybody you want on social right, media right 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 uh, right so you know there is the option to write people off and i think at some point you know yeah you do have to uh, and i think um uh, you know i don't know the statistics on it but i think there's there's quite a lot of evidence that as you get older your circle actually gets smaller List Right. the circle that you value right. gets smaller so that's a positive thing, I think, you know, and I think that it's okay to filter out the noise that comes with uh, more time on the earth and to really focus on the things that uh, are, you know, of value and are important to you and give you peace and, and all of that. And, and, um, you know, that may, that may sort of seem counterintuitive to what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but at it, the same does. time, <laughs> yeah, no, it does. But, but then if you balance that with saying, but, you know, I'd also like to learn something new. Then you'll find that you're also then putting yourself in uh, different situations around different people mm-hmm. that you can learn from. And, uh, it, you know, it doesn't mean that they have to become your best friend or that they have to become your new circle of influence. However, they will become influences. That experience will become an influence that right. will keep your mind expanded and, and curious and learning and humble.
0: Is there like um? A- a low stakes version of this that we can engage in in other words, like can just t- if you're not a great cook, can taking a cooking class be like a first step that gets you into this or or uh, is, is do we just need to start talking to people we're uncomfortable with? in other words, like uh, can we find a way to do this that doesn't feel because again, I think people are so polarized that they're very un they're gonna have a really difficult time leaning into somebody with opposing views in the way that we've talked about is there like a lower stakes way we can get started
1: Boy, that's a good question. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the short answer to that is, is that it's always just important to get engage in something that makes you a little uncomfortable. Right. And it can be that cooking class or it can be something just really, um, you know where the where, where the stakes are not that high. You know one of the one of the things I talk to educators a lot about is the um, the fact that we don't teach failure. Failure is so important to teach kids because it's the only thing that gives them a tolerance to take a risk. Most of the time, if, as we grow up, if we don't have a tolerance for risk, we don't really have a willingness to grow or to expand our thought process. So it really does come back to that idea really early in education that not everything can be achievement based it really has to be about learning and a key part of learning is failing and recovering and that gives you the confidence that gives you the the tolerance to take a risk and to try something new and the willingness to to grow and um i think if we it's again it's harder and harder to do that as you get older but uh, if one becomes aware of it, even just through conversations like this, then I think you can start to be a little introspective and say, "Okay, this is actually something I can do. This is a baby step mm-hmm. you know, that I can take that's going to help me move in that direction." You know, it, it could be um, as as simple f- f- as reading a book that you wouldn't normally read from an right. author that you know might that you wouldn't normally be attracted to just as or a journalist you know or somebody from the other side if you're you know conservative read something liberal if you're liberal read something conservative whatever it is that just sort of broadens your horizons mm-hmm. uh it doesn't mean that it that that you have to change your views either but it means that it uh, gives you more perspective that actually may Change your view, or or it may embolden your view. I mean, that's possible too. But the point is, you keep growing and you mm-hmm. keep expanding, and you keep, uh, you know, reinventing yourself, pivoting. Keep pivoting.
0: Right. So this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna make my my next question. This is a little, um, it's a little more cut and dry than you than you usually speak. But would you argue that that seeking discomfort is the most important trait in in uh, in being adaptable and being able to pivot and being able to sort of navigate this new world?
1: Yeah, I think so. And, I, and the way that uh, I'm often asked the question, you know, what uh, wh- where's your comfort zone? You know, where are you most comfortable? Mm-hmm. And I always say just outside the perimeter of my comfort zone. That's where I'm most comfortable because I know I can get back in my comfort zone easily, but I also know that I'm expanding and I'm learning and that my comfort zone is, is growing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yes, I think that's um, absolutely essential.
0: Uh I mean, so this idea of of seeking discomfort, and by the way, you know it's not you you're not the first person I've heard say this, um but that you are the first person I've heard you know sort of um tie this to long term adaptability, but like you know all those. All those former Navy SEAL and motivational speakers, even The Rock, they always talk Who I find very motivating, by the way, Um, you know (laughs) Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But 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 that sort of you know they they exercise is sort of a um, I mean like physical exercise is a is a physical metaphor for the kind of conversation that we're having right now, which is. These are people who talk about putting themselves in extremely uncomfortable physical scenarios in order to make them more adaptable when it comes to a variety of different things, whether it's athletics or, you know, in terms of military strategy, whatever that would be. But, but this is a way that in which, you know, it, it applies to mental discomfort. It implies to social discomfort, and the more you can sit in that, the more you'll be. Sorry for this, but you'll be like a, a cultural navy SEAL. <laughs> you'll be able to you'll be <laughs> able to adapt to all kinds of new scenarios and, you know, be the be the most fit person in any in any given situation.
1: Well, I mean, yes, it's all exercise and mental exercise and physical exercise ultimately produce, you know, the similar type of growth. Mm -hmm. And whenever you're pushing weights, you know, you're not going to push so much weight that you're going to hurt yourself. That's not. Well, I know a lot of
0: people who do, but yes,
1: (laughs) you shouldn't. Right. That's not really our goal to hurt ourselves generally. So, you know, the point is to to just keep increasing that weight. And what happens is you become stronger and uh, more fit and you reach your goals. And I think that mental Aptitude is the same way and and um, you know your level of interest and your education and all of that is the same way You just keep pushing pushing that uh, Comfort zone just a little bit wider and a little bit wider each time and it's not to make yourself uncomfortable. It's to make yourself grow
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah Is there ever a point you think it's too late to do something like this?
1: No, I don't think so. I think we you know, we see it um, you know, there's evidence all of all age groups um, I mean, it, it's probably an individual question, but in a general way, no, we see people of all age groups trying to expand their horizons and mm-hmm. uh, take on whatever, whatever challenges life throws at them.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and boy, oh boy, are we going to need it. I mean, I just look at how how things are, are shaping up in our world right now and, and never has there been a time where more adaptability is required of us than now. So, yeah,
1: I'm, I mean, I've never seen a time where we've been, you know, more divided either. Mm-hmm. And, and I would just really like to see everybody sort of make a conscious effort to say, you know what, there's, there's, there's value to coming back at least a little bit towards the middle, you know? And again, it's sort of baby steps if for no other reason than to be able to have that conversation and learn something. And I believe that if we do that as adults, then we can teach that to kids and then we can actually have uh, future generations that are very capable of pivoting and, you know, navigating an unpredictable future and taking on the problems and solving them.
0: The book is Pivot. Ravi Hatsi Singh is the author. We've been talking to him today. Uh, uh, Ravi, I'm going to ask you two last questions. Aside from buying the book, which there's a link in the show notes where you guys can pick it up, what, uh, wh- how can people follow up with you?
1: Well, raviunites.com is my website, so that's sort of the, the center for all information. But um, for any of, the, any of the folks that are on Clubhouse, I'd love to see them on Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock New York time in the Education Conference Club because we'll be unpacking some pretty interesting things.
0: Uh, I'll put a link to Clubhouse and to uh, your, your website, raviunites.com, in the show notes. One last question. I've asked it to you before, I ask it to everybody. What is one thing that we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better?
1: I think one thing that uh, everybody should be doing today is making that effort to mm. have an uncomfortable conversation mm. and make it a little bit more comfortable. You know, we all need to do our part in uh making the world a little bit more peaceful and i think in today's climate with the challenges that we have today there there there's no shortage of opportunity to do that on a micro level and we can do that in our homes with our kids so you know practice practice having those uncomfortable conversations so that we can actually make some progress
0: is this like fight club everybody your assignment is to go out and get into a fight (laughs) there you go 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 out and have that difficult conversation (laughs) with somebody who disagrees with you
1: I don't know. People yeah. think I'm I'm the guy promoting uh, world peace, and they're right. I am. So I'm not sure that Fight Club is exactly what I was going <laughs> for there. However, <laughs> uh, you know, that is a step. You know, it's a step of uh, it, what we've just been talking about, learning right. how to do it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Ravi, how do you say I appreciate you so much? Thanks for being on here with us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Dipco.
0: That's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out a lot. Uh, if you want to follow up with us, Facebook.com slash Gerard at Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. Also, Facebook.com slash John Tesh, at John Tesh underscore IFYL on Instagram. Uh, I try to respond to everything you guys mentioned about the show, even the negative comments. Uh, you know, th- Thanks for those negative DMs. Anyway, folks, uh, because ultimately I do the show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening.